Okay, so we start in Paragemo. Mechelka has Zahiris. We spoke about the importance of Zahiris, and now we're going to talk about Lemaisa. What does Zahiris mean to us? And then we're going to see in the next para, once we know what Zahiris means, then the next thing we're going to discuss is how a person goes about acquiring these mirrors or making them a part of himself. A person who wants to watch over himself. He wants to know, like, check what he's doing. There are two outlooks that he needs to have. Two perspectives. The first one. The person has to think about what's the tova amiti that a person has to choose. The direction in life which is meant to be taking. And the Rahamiti, what's really bad, that a person should run away from. This was the first part of the Sushar. What he called the beer of to know what's good, what's bad, what should I be doing in life, what should I not be doing in life, what's the direction I'm meant to be taking, what are the points I'm meant to be avoiding. This is all part of the what he calls the Hashkafa, for a person has to make choices in life. He calls the toiv hatoiv ha'amiti, and he calls the ra the ra ha'amiti. And the reason for that is because in the cheshbon of what's good and what's bad, a person can have other cheshbonus of what's good for him, what's not good for him. You can look at the short-term gain. You can look at what you can achieve right now, and if that's the case, there'll be a different scale of what's considered toiv and ra. And it's only when a person is looking to what he calls the toiv ha'amiti, the long-term, real toiv. Or the Raha Miti, the long term real Ra, when a person can make a cheshpan of what's going to bring him to that final stage, or what's going to distance him from that. Chazal give a motion for this. Chazal talk about a traveler who's on his way to a city. And he comes to a crossroads. And he can see the city in the distance, and the one road seems to go directly towards the city, and the other one seems to veer off in a different direction. So he asks a child who's sitting by the crossroads to tell, tell me, which is the way to the city? So the child points to the road which seems to go in a different direction. So the driver says, I can see this road, it's going straight towards the city. So he decides to, to disobey. He decides he's going to go down the short the road which looks to be the much more direct route. And he travels down that road, and then he notices that after some time the road comes to an end. And now, there's uh, boulders to clamber over and thistles and rocks and uh, we made it to make it more, much more appropriate for today's materials. We tell barbed wire and minefields and I don't know what. And you can see the city, but the route there disappeared. It becomes a very torturous and arduous attempt to try and get towards the city. So he goes back to the crossroads. And the child, he tells him, he said that there's a derech tzara v'yaroka. There's a short route which is actually long, and the long route is actually short. Something which looks like a more immediate way of getting somewhere turns out to be much more difficult. And sometimes there's a longer route, which means it looks like the road is going a different direction. It's going to take you more time or more distance to travel, but because it's a road which gets all the way to the city, and then you will get there more quickly that way. So it's the Chazak. But it's relevant to what we're talking about. Oh, so what's the relevance we're talking about now? 
the answer is that if a person's mindset has to be this is on the first paragraph. The Tawfa Miti is the end point a person is trying to reach. The end point a person is trying to reach. And therefore, if the Cheshman is going to be, what's the way to achieve that final point? What's the way to achieve the end point? So then, sometimes the way which looks like the most uh, expedient way to get there, the shortest route, is not necessarily the shortest route. Uh, it, comes with the, it comes with its own measure of difficulty or obstructions later on. And therefore, the Cheshman has to be the long-term Cheshman of What's more kedai, so to speak, to achieve the end point the person wants to get to? That's what we call the tov ha'miti, rather than what seems to be now the tov, because it seems to be going the right direction now, but without planning where it's going to land up. Yeah, exactly. That's all the end. The end point. He's talking about the right before he said what the person know what the, what he wants, what the end point is meant to be. That's the tov ha'miti. And now the point is, now the second point of Hashem is, what he's doing, are they part of the chalik of the type, which is, means does it bring him to that final point or not? So, that, so far he hasn't said any chedushim. These are both, both things he said in the first part, in the first paragraph of the person has to know what the end point is, and the person has to know, has to check what he's doing, is he easy getting there or not. But now the chedushim wants to tell us in the next line. This then applies to Shas Maisa. The Shainus is paraphrased. Right. Yeah. 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 So what's necessary now? Without weighing it on the scales of this understanding. In other words, is it something which is going to bring me to Tayyibah Mithi or not? And uh, the, first, the first important point, principle here is, even the first four words, the first thing is that a person doesn't do things without thinking. This was a, a, a idea, a concept, which the Bali Musa worked on practically. And for anybody who hadn't tried it, always used to make fun of it as something which is, so to speak, so, so straightforward or so obvious. Why would a person have to invest in time and effort in trying to achieve it? And it's only a person who's actually worked on this will see not only how difficult it is, but how much work it takes to try and achieve. And there is again the words. A person shouldn't do anything without weighing up what he's doing. Because the reason why people think it's easy is because people don't realize that they're doing it the whole time. People are always doing things without thinking. And therefore, people are always doing things without thinking first if they should do it or not. And therefore, the idea of what I have to think before I do, it, it doesn't even register about the amount of things they're doing without thinking about. The, the, the few times a person actually does stop and think, and then he has to make a decision based on having weighed up the options, he thinks, of course, I always stop and think. And what about all the other activities a person does without thinking? They don't even register because he never thought about them. Not before, not afterwards. They got forgotten about altogether. Now, that's just one minute. Let's explain a bit more, and then we'll listen. So the way, let's give examples of this. 
Let's give examples of this. Most times, and this is an exercise everyone can try for themselves, most times, when a person is in a conversation with somebody else, their response in the course of conversation, and you can try it yourself if you want to check, is normally less than two seconds. After someone else talks, a person starts responding in less than two seconds. It came out immediately. It's a discussion. A discussion is immediate, right? And why? Because a person, as the other person is talking, he's, he's already reforming the response, and as soon as he gets a chance to talk, he will. Does a person think, one second, let me think what I want to say. Let me think what the right answer is. If you've ever seen a discussion where people, what they say, they actually think about what they say before they say it. It's not just a discussion, like give and take in the middle of a conversation. You'll see that there's a much longer gap between when people talk, because someone has to think first what I want to say, and how do I want to express myself, and what are exactly the words I want to use. Right? And when a person has to stop and think, to stop and think, before they want to say something, so then it takes time. Now, people don't do that because they're so used to not thinking before they talk. So it's, just, uh, it's, uh, it's automatic. They're, they're working on an immediate instinctive response without having time to think. And if you actually try this, I told them one of the values must give them a work on this matter practically. I said, try one time um, before you respond to somebody, or before you say something, stop for five seconds. Sounds like nothing. Stop for five seconds before you say the next, before you say something, and you'll see how long it feels like. If I would stop now for five seconds, it feels like a long time. So if someone asks you a question and you're going to wait that amount of time, what's wrong with you? Where's the answer already? Because people are used to not thinking. And uh, just the amount of time it takes to stop for a few seconds to think something through before before I respond is something a person doesn't do. They're not used to thinking like that. I get very uncomfortable with people's stuff during conversations. Yeah. That the problem is that a person's the way a person's brain works is that something that they have to get used to doing takes them time. They have to think it through. For example, the first time a baby learns to walk, you have to be focused. They have to think about how to pick up one foot and balance in the other one, and then put it down and then shift the balance. And it, it takes a lot of mental effort. It takes concentration. You have to think what you're doing. The first time you learn to drive a car, you have to, uh, maybe in the olden days, we learned to drive cars, but they had, had gears with a clutch. You had to work like one foot, hold the brake, balance the clutch, change the gear, take your foot off the brake, on the accelerator. Yeah, you had to take time to coordinate. And you have to think of it, you have to think through the stages, and every time you thought wrong, the car ground to a sudden halt. Okay, so you get used to having to think through what you're doing. Right? But once a person gets used to driving, and it's a second nature, they don't think behind. They can be having conversations with somebody, listening to the music, and maybe looking at their phone, which they shouldn't be doing, while they're busy driving, because whatever a person gets used to doing, the brain turns into autopilot mode. And so that happens in davening. One of the main reasons, I believe, that people have Kabbalah and Rosh Hashanah more than the rest of the year, it's because they don't know it off by heart. So you have to stop and read it inside. And the very fact that I have to read what I'm saying makes me think about it. Whereas it comes to regular pronunciation, I'm going to autopilot. Within a few words of starting, and then my brain goes to sleep because it's working autopilot. I was wondering, why don't we teach kids? What they have to think through. The thing is that the, 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 any process that the brain can do on its own, it does. It does, and you don't think about it at all. If I'm 12, 
A person has to force himself to think, which means a person can't do things without thinking. A person can't act or react, or whatever the question, the case is going to be, without, like I said, without paying attention to what he's doing. Notion again, that a person thinks before he does something. So I said it's hard. This was a big thing in the Bali Musa, specifically calm. One of the main awareness of calm was the training not to do things without thinking. That the das is always there. The person is always as the das, they think about what they're doing, and they don't do anything without thinking. The stories, right, the stories of what they used to do to practice, to train themselves in this area, are extreme, unbelievable levels of control, but the whole point of it was exactly to get to this point. The point of it was to get to the point that a person doesn't act without thinking. I mean, there's two or three famous stories, I'll say, I've heard there many, many more. Uh, one of the best known stories is the story of Lady Lapian, who was a Talmud of Kelm, and in his late 80s, he was at a bus stop, and a hot summer day waiting for the bus. And it took 10, 15, 20 minutes, and was waiting, getting impatient, getting hot. The bus wasn't coming. So eventually, he hears a noise in the distance, so he turns his head to look to see if the bus is coming. And so he turns his head back, and he said, and Kelm would have told me off of that. Why do you have to turn your head? It's going to make the bus come faster because you looked to see if it was there. Now, how many people instinctively look to see what's coming? It doesn't even register on them that they're doing something which they need to think about. But part of the training of Kelm was, why do something for nothing? It was an unplanned, uncalculated act. There's another famous story about Kelm, that in the time of the First World War, when a German uh, army took the town of Kelm, so the mayor of the town told the German commander, he said, there's this place in this town where these men are landing. He said, you can walk in and out with your military, with your soldiers, they wouldn't even notice you. So the German officer didn't believe it. He said, trust it yourself. So he took the military band, and he marched into the Mesmerdash of Kelm during Seder, and not a single person raised their head. They didn't hear or they didn't... Of course they heard. Of course they heard. Of course they heard. And the guidance was, we trained, we don't look up. It was an unplanned and unnecessary thing to look around and see what the noise is. And nobody did. Now, again, the godless is unbelievable. But the point of it wasn't just to act like a robot. The point was the training not to do things without us. Not to do things without us. That a person doesn't act without planning what to do. And if, I wouldn't, if it wasn't what necessary to do, I won't do it. The altar, the great altar of Kelm himself, he verbalized this idea. He said that a person who's walking in the street should imagine that he's a zookeeper who's moving all the wild animals in one go from one zoo to another. So he has a leash, he has the lion, he has the tiger, he has the elephant, he has the rhino, whatever other animals, he's holding everything at the same time. He says, if he's going to let go a second, then something's going to run away. He has to be completely in control the whole time to make sure that everything is being held in this chain, so nothing's running away. That's the way a person's meant to hold himself. He's in control. And if a second he lets go of something, then he doesn't know what meter is going to run away from him. Was it him, the Yankee Khalid? Rav Chaskal, 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 a half a small. Not more than that. Now, okay, we're not talking about a, a litvish mentality. We're talking about a level of control. Whatever person decides they want to control, if you want a chassidish maise, you have the famous chassidish maise about the chazah. 
when they wanted to get a, this chassidim needed haskama for something for him. So they went to one of the other rabbis to ask uh, to give a haskama to the chazer. So he said, I don't know the chazer, tell me something about him that uh, you can show me his greatness. So he says, okay. So when the chazer eats soup, he never moves his head forward to the spoon. He always brings the spoon right, he sits straight, and he brings the spoon right to himself. So he brings the spoon to him. So the rabbi laughed, he said, that's a minor. So maybe you ought to try it. So okay. So he sat down to eat and tried to eat a bowl of soup. And he realized that it's quite impossible to actually to sit straight and bring your spoon right to your mouth. And think to your person moves forward. And then he said, Taka, I see godless. Now what's the godless? Not how you eat soup. The godless is control. I don't do something I wasn't planning to do. And therefore if I decide I'm not going to bend down to my food, I'm going to remain straight and I'm going to bring the food to me. Even though a person come out instinctively wants to move forward, it's easier. I'm not going to do that. I'm in control. And, uh, I'm not saying that we have to go to the extreme. These were ways that people used to try and get themselves to, to tr- practice this point, which the Mr. Shishan throws out as a basic point. That a person doesn't act without weighing up what he does. And the first, like I said, the first step, if a person wants to work on this, is to, to train oneself to realize I'm acting without thinking. Whatever area it's going to be, it's that I respond without thinking, it's that I do things without thinking, it's that I, whatever, whatever decisions or whatever no, no, no. movements I make, right? So then the first level of the training a person needs to work on this idea that I think first, is first be aware of all the things I'm doing without thinking. Be aware of how much I do without thinking, and then you can start trying to, so to speak, apply the koyach of das, the ability to think or to weigh things up, to the actions I do. But first you have to be aware of the actions you do. That's the first point. For a regular person, which areas do you think there's rough that we should be working on this to Speech, for sure. That's the most of areas happen and people don't even realize it. So before we say something... And therefore, like I said before, try one time, one time a day in a conversation to wait for five seconds before you talk. Now, like I said before, if it's going to be someone asks you a question and you go... <laughs> And then answer, then answer. Sorry, you look, you look, you look uh, strange. That's weird. That's weird. And therefore, do it the other way around. When you, before you initiate a comment, it's not in response to somebody else. I want to start a conversation. I want to say something first. So now, give yourself time to think. Three seconds. Five seconds. Try it. Five seconds to stop and wait before you say something. To stop and wait before you say something. And uh, what you think what to say, <laughs> or think if I should be saying. And once you do that, then I'll say it. But like once, at least once a day, you train yourself to think, Merosh, what am I going to say? As opposed to people, Bichlal, don't think what they're going to say. They say whatever they say. The more a person understands the value of what they say, the more they're going to pay attention to what they say because it has something, it has something of importance. You might just decide not to say it. And it's even better. Even better. <laughs> and the same thing, as, like we said in Davini, if a person before, and like we said, the Chavit Chaim says, before every bracha, the person starts a few seconds to think what he's going to say. There's the same idea. I plan what I'm going to say before I say it. So even if it's the words I'm going to say, if it's part of the Philip, I'm planning what am I going to think about, what am I going to ask for. It's, it's basically the same kind of idea. And uh, the basic idea of the heroes is control. He says before the last paragraph, a person is aware of what he's doing. Now we're taking it up a step. The awareness means I'm in control. I'm in control. The lack of the heroes comes when a person is not in control. And the lack of control comes from a lack of awareness. If I'm, uh, the first step to being in control is being aware. 
If I know what I'm doing, then I can try to control it. If I don't even know what I'm doing, if I don't even know what I'm doing, then I'm not in control. Now, I will tell you two exercises, which are practical most of I use for this. Um, it's eye-opening. It's eye-opening because it just shows the person how much without thinking about it, what they, they don't even realize what they do. And then again, that's the big problem. Because what a person is aware of, he can try to think about it, or he can work on fixing, or he can do it before. But there's so much that a person isn't even aware that he did. Isn't even aware that he did. And if you point it out to him, they wouldn't believe you. That's Al-Kalikah. The first thing is, record yourself giving a share. Or explaining a Gemara, or saying over a particular tale, whatever it is. And afterwards, before you listen to the recording, ask yourself, how many times do you, in the course of talking, uh, stop and say, am or ah, or whatever stutter is going to be, or, you know, you know, you're right, you're right, correct, okay, whatever, whatever words which aren't really necessary words, that people just naturally fill in because either they don't know what to say next, or because... thinking, not thinking about the same. Or, or, or any of those words. Think about it. How many words, how many times do you say that in the context of when you talk? And most of us say, no, maybe once, maybe never. Oh, no. right. Now, listen to the recording. Listen to yourself and listen to how many times you do it. And it's not the question of how many times you do it. That's not so important. We're not working on public speaking. But we work on how much you don't realize what you're doing. How much you don't realize what you're saying. You're thinking about what to say. You're trying to you're trying to give over something. You're trying to explain a shtickle You're trying to explain an idea. You're trying to, you know, And even though, you, at, to some extent, the person's thinking, but there's so much that they're saying and not even thinking about. It's just, it's in the autopilot. There's a shprach to think out loud. Okay. So that means, what's that? Is, it, is that basically like, I didn't think this over. I want to verbalize my thoughts. Is that like a chesar in this? Yes, uh, verbalizing my thoughts basically means I'm not thinking what to say. I'm, I'm thinking what I say. Oh, okay, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not thinking in my rush. I'm saying out what I want to say because that's a way for me to clarify myself. But I don't have a problem with it. What we're trying to say is here is the yeah, awareness. The awareness. I'm, to gain awareness of what I'm doing because the more I see I'm not aware of what I'm doing, the more I, I, I can't deal with what I'm doing. I can't perfect it or correct it because I don't even know what happens. So, oh, the second one is a similar idea. When it comes to active actions, the person does. How often do you move your hands? You scratch your nose, you scratch your back, you touch your hair. How often do you do things like that? Your diamond's going to How often do you do things with your hands? Whatever it's going to be. Your diamond's going to And again, people don't realize it. It's not negative, it's a Matthias. But then again, how much is the person in control? For one time, form yourself for a few, for a few minutes. Who's is to scratch an itch? And the biggest type in the world is to scratch an itch. Okay, so how, how can you do it? And uh, the Chazanish the is to say that people mechal al is like this. You saw people who start pulling their skin or, scr- or bite their nails or pull their heads. You mechal al every week. What are you talking about? Mechal al So that I can see the fact that you don't even realize what you're doing the whole time. You're doing this on Shabbos too. Mechal al every week. But this person doesn't realize. He doesn't even think he's doing this. And again, it's not an area just to see, for a person can see for themselves how much they're doing which there's no cheshpun for. They don't even realize. And that's a starting point. On the point is talking about Zahiris, and that is that a person doesn't do shumais to the Bisha Yishkalai. So that the first is the cheshpun for what I'm doing.